Movie Beatdown is brought to you with support from Bluehost Hosting, where $4.95 a month gets you unlimited space, transfer, and domains. Visit moviebeatdown.com slash bluehost today. You don't know 20 different ways to make me call you Big Papa? Hey, welcome to Movie Beatdown, where we're rediscovering movies with Blake Snyder's book, Save the Cat. This is episode 10, brought to you the week of February 12th, 2015. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, and with me is Polly Godbelt. How you doing, Paul? Oh, hey. Hi, how you doing, Paul? Say it again. I'm doing all right. I had you muted there. Uh, and also Christian Sudreth. Hey, guys. And we, who we are missing tonight is uh band favorite John Steinklauber. So he is he's off giving bone marrow to people. Again? In other countries. Yes. Yeah. He's got a very sweet tasting marrow and they like it, so they keep pumping it out of him. Uh today we're beating down 1998's movie Can't Hardly Wait. The way I said it makes it sound like that's the only movie that came out in 1998, but that's okay. <laughs> IMDb has a terrible description of this movie. Uh, multi-character teenage comedy about a high sc- about high school graduates with different agenda of life on graduation night. And I guess agenda is plural for agendas. So <laughs> it, it reads weird, though, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. Um, it's directed by Harry Elfont. Uh, who directed J- J- Josie and the Pussycats? I almost said Yosi. <laughs> uh, it was a yeah, it's made in Mexico. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats, which I actually liked. I remember, I remember liking that. And then uh, can't hardly wait. Oh, really? Uh, also by Deborah Kaplan, who I found uh, made all the same movies. It was written by Deborah Kaplan. Uh, <laughs> She wrote Surviving Christmas, Josie and the Pussycats, Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas, Can't Hardly Wait, a very Brady sequel, along with Harry Elfond. They are apparently partners, and they met a long time ago, and they write and direct together. So it was pretty weird clicking on both their names and seeing all the same movie posters. (laughs) And such a great, you know... Uh, films. I mean, these films are fantastic. Viva Rock Vegas. It took two of them to come up with that one. <laughs> and the very Brady sequel. So, I'm glad they found each other. Otherwise, <laughs> we might never have heard of them. Uh, tonight's movie was uh, uh, suggested by, uh, last week, voted on, uh, Paul Godbout. So, Paul, yep. Um, do me a favor. And tell us a little bit about why we are doing this movie. So I threw this movie into the ring because we have never put um, a uh, a movie that has multiple storylines uh, to the Blade Snyder test. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about in previous shows that you know his uh, method really, really works well with, uh, for lack of better phrasing, like family comedies. Um, but I was really curious to see, um, you know, just as a group, like how we felt it measured up with 
these kinds of, of stories. There's a number of different names for, you know, these kinds of stories. Uh, but if you think of movies like American Graffiti or Crash or Traffic, I realized my first one was from like the 1950s. And so I needed to update the references there. So hopefully those other two have been made within the past decade. But, um, you know, but movies like that where you've got multiple different uh, storylines going on uh, that are somehow connected. And so uh, I, I just thought that this one was a little bit more lighthearted than some of those movies. Um, and so it might be a fun introduction uh, to just kind of get us, you know, uh, thinking along these lines so that if one of those other movies comes up in the future, you know, we've already done something that was, you know, a little bit more fun and 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 like I said, not a whole lot of depth to it. And we could just really focus on, you know, the the the, the beats more so than, you know, anything else in the story. So, yeah, they, they, the problem um, that probably a lot of our listeners are going to have with this movie is, is one, they've never seen it. Um, secondly, is it, the reason why they didn't see it is because it is a very hard PG 13 rated movie. As far as content, it's a teen party movie. You know, these things, this was probably one of the first, I mean, in the nineties anyway, uh, of of a dozen or more of these things that that didn't try to go for PG thirteen went for full R, um, but uh, so it, it is an interesting choice. Um, I found myself uh, blushing a few times, and um, and I don't blush very much, but the the sight of of uh, Doctor Evil's son on top of a slightly larger red headed girl. Um, you know, it gave me pause. Let's just say that. Uh, I was going to say that I liked it. Huh? I was going to say that I liked the movie, but then you ended it on that note. So I was just going to go, well, I liked it. But I didn't <laughs> just that part. <laughs> I'm at the whole movie. Well, one, one of the things, and this has nothing to do with why we're here, but one of the things that I always liked about this movie, um, you know, because I, I did like it whenever it came out, you know, because uh, I had seen Empire Records, which is another movie that Ethan Embry had been in. And there's, you know, uh, just there's a lot of characters, you know, um, that were kind of unknown um, for the most part when this movie came out. But uh, over the years, the more that I go back and watch this movie, I start recognizing, I mean, there's probably two dozen at least people who are now just like crazy famous that are in this movie, you know, so that's a, a pretty cool thing, uh, you know, that all of them were somehow involved in this movie, but also um, the party scene is epic in so many movies, like say anything and uh, can't buy me love. And I mean, just so many other movies, like you, you, like the party scene is just such a classic portion of the movie. And then we, we finally get a movie where the entire thing is a party, essentially. And so that was another fun thing, um, you know, which, as we'll kind of see here, there's some downfalls with, you know, having a movie that is, that's the bulk of it is at a party. But anyway, we'll get to that later. So Yeah, yeah. I will say this, too, that the party, uh, they embraced it. I'll give them that. They embraced the whole thing. Every single person, I mean, they're very, I, I won't say every person, but a lot of people are characters, you know, um, the angry hippie girl, you know, with this, with the sword, uh, AKA scissors. Um, you know, there's very few just background characters that blend in. Usually there's somebody that has something that makes them something like the guy with the watermelon or the, the black guy with the, this that's walking out with the whipped cream and you know, like 12 of them in his arms, you know, there's yeah. another dude in the background trying to spelunk himself up the roof, you know, on, on some sort of rope, you know, <laughs> there's yeah. crazy stuff like that going on throughout. 
But I said all of that to say this, because I, I started with something negative. I'm going to end with something positive. Um, this movie I will probably watch again and again and again. Um, and I checked her her age before I was able to say this. She she was born in 1978. I was born in 1973. Uh, this is not weird or strange because when I was that age, everything would have been cool. And now it's still cool. Uh, but Jennifer Love Hewitt has got to be one of the most attractive women in the planet. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I Because I think she's adorable. Like, that's the she, thing. That's and, the thing. And, she's not hot. She's super cute. Yeah. You know, and, like it busts past hot in yeah. the cute world. And I'll admit, I haven't seen a whole lot of movies with her in it. So maybe some of our listeners have and they're going, oh, well, you should see her in this other. The Tuxedo where- with Jackie Chan. It's a good one. Yeah, it was silly. Awesome. Throw that one into the ring for next week. But uh, she was a part. She was mostly a TV person and did uh, Ghost Whisperer. I think that was her big claim to fame. And I've never seen a single episode, but uh, I might have to change that. Especially if she's got those 90s bangs. That's all I'm saying. Um, uh, listen, before we get right into it and, and start breaking this thing down as best we can, I uh, just want to tell our listeners that you can have uh, input. We want your input on uh, our next movie and you can do that if you go to reddit reddit.com slash r slash movie beatdown and uh just if you don't have an account sign up and and then post your movie uh and you can also vote on the ones that are there uh that's how we always pull one from the list and uh we'll see what that is you know at the end of the show uh so let's dive in um save the cat style and ask ourselves what is uh, what was the genre? Now, I uh, I put uh, okay. Here's where it gets weird because multi timeline. Okay, um, do we follow the main storyline and and can we at least agree that there is a main storyline? You know, so and so broke up with so and so. So now the new kid gets a chance with the girl. Can can we agree that that is the main story or not? Can we not? Yeah, I can I can agree with that. Um one one thing I will say is that no matter what the movie um anytime that you have something like this n- normally because I I can think well there's always going to be an exception but normally uh you always have one storyline that stands out and actually carries the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I agree that that one that you kind of are alluding to is what carries this, this movie. And if you had disagreed with me, which you didn't, thankfully, uh, I would have argued that, yeah, without the, his story, there wouldn't have been anywhere for the movie, you know, the cameras to point, so to speak. Sure. Because uh, we followed him there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, so anyway, uh, uh, Christian, do you, uh, you got anything to say there? Anything to add about if that's the first, you know, the main, yeah, the main... It starts and ends with that. Yeah. Uh, unless okay. you count after the credits, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or before for that matter. Um, I went with golden fleece slash buddy love. I had to pick both, but uh, Paul, I'd, I'd love to hear what you would say. It, it may even be something not in the book. Well, and, and to be honest with you, uh, like this one I had a little bit of a hard time with. Like a lot of times I honestly forget about this until we're recording, you know, to talk about the genre. Uh, and then I have to think about it on the spur of the moment. Um, you know, but with with this one, you know, I think that, you know, 
I, I can definitely see where you're coming from with Golden Fleece. Um, and, and I definitely obviously can see where you're coming from with, uh, with Buddy Love. Um, but there's part of me that was kind of feeling like some of it had a little bit of a rite of passage vibe, not enough to where I would necessarily defend that to the death. Um, but just, but you know, because you have multiple storylines, just trying to kind of think of, okay, well, what's the thing that sort of ties them all together? Um, well, that's one of the weaknesses of this movie to me, um, is that not all of the storylines are tied together with the same theme. Um, well, kind of anyway, we'll, we'll, I'm trying not to get ahead of ourselves. No, here, no, but- I think, I think you're right. I, um, I hadn't thought about that one. I would say that, that I would replace mine. I would just add another slash and add rights of passage because, um, for everybody else other than the main character, um, because I, I don't get that those two, the, the, the girl and the guy, uh, that they have anything to grow through. Uh, we'll talk about his his flaw in just a second, and and it's easy to say, well, he does, but the rest of them have uh, growing up to do. Exactly, and uh, and in the main character's problems is not that they're too young or they're stupid. It's uh, it's something else. So let's let's just jump into that protagonist. Um, I I'm just saying I would share it between Jennifer Love Hewitt and. Uh, dude, because I don't know his name. Uh, his real name is Ethan Embry, but he's Preston Myers in this film. Okay, so, so Preston. I'm trying to remember his name. At first, I kept trying to maybe think he grew up to be Captain America. He looks a little bit like that in the face, just all American boy. So, but I knew. Which it. is funny that you say that, and because this is a side note, but I just read an article this morning where apparently the all American boy, as you just called him, was apparently a hardcore stoner back in the late nineties. And so he doesn't even really remember making this film. So there's your all American boy. I don't doubt it. I don't (laughs) doubt it. Matter of fact, I mentioned earlier that this thing was a hard PG 13. It was actually filmed, uh, and, and screened to be an R rated movie. Um, but the directors wanted it to be PG 13 and to make it, they had to edit out uh, entire characters, uh, a stoned crying girl, uh, for instance, was one, and you can see her. You can see her in there, but they cut away. It's some hard cuts, and once you know they're there, it's it's kind of weird. Uh, oh. Also, any references um, to the the guy smoking pot or or weed? You see the guy with the dinosaur with a little thing on him, uh, but you never see him puff on this thing. So they took out a lot of of uh, drunk kids, a lot of uh, high kids. There was there was a conversation about the brownie. That brownie scene seemed really forced you know and weird because she just gets mad all of a sudden throws it oh yeah yeah there's more to it that's why they talk in detail about how you're supposed to put the weed in with the butter and this that and the other and Mm. they're just like you're teaching kids how to make brownies so they cut that out (laughs) you know so uh, it's it's interesting it's interesting. which another quick a very quick aside here and this is going to make me sound like an old dad uh even though i'm just a dad and not old but uh or maybe i'm both who knows but uh I, i what's great is that now that I know that, uh, it'll be interesting to go back and watch the film and, and try and spot that stuff because without going into explicit detail about those different things, I totally get those different characters and their personalities and their um, extracurricular activities, if you will, uh, and, and everything. But I don't necessarily need to have it shoved in my face, you know, the details of their lives. And I right. think that's one thing that I always appreciate 
because that that that's you know forgive me here but that's a big thing with books is that you you trust that your readers are as smart as you like that's the, one of the rules with writing trust that like don't over explain don't over give too much detail trust that people actually get what's going on and so i think that's another hallmark of of good filmmaking is that you know you don't always have to be ridiculously explicit about you know things and i'm not just talking about sex or drugs or whatever but just anything in general like you don't have to be so on the on the nose that it's like okay we get it i'm not seven let's move on and so uh so yeah so even though they cut all that stuff i still get that about those characters so that's that's really interesting yeah they they cut out a lot of the the uh stuff that would have kept it from being subtle and i am one that appreciates subtlety uh when it comes to things like that um but the one character they cut out was called crying drunk girl or high high drunk girl crying junk girl and her 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 thing was that you couldn't understand what she was saying so they would subtitle her as if she was speaking in another language and her connection at the end of the movie was with uh the foreign exchange student who couldn't be understood so i missed that i hate that foreign exchange student didn't get his connection you know like so yeah. many of the others did they did so good with that but uh okay so our protagonist i would say mainly is our dude um because it follows him um he, he comes in with a friend it's 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 about his heart and what he wants to do i and my flaw that i wrote is that he is afraid to act um you know when we talk about uh theme stated or whatever we're gonna we're gonna have to start talking about fate which is a, a belief of his um, and, and I got this weakness from his muse, uh, uh, angel stripper girl when she told him her story. So without going any further, I want to ask, uh, Paul, what do you think his, his, uh, his, uh, failure is or his need to grow area? Yeah, I, I agree with you completely, and I'm I'm gonna leave it at that because when we get to theme stated, we'll kind of dive into it. And it's and so good for such a crappy movie. I I love it. All right, Christian. Yeah, I say the same thing. I put that he wasn't brave enough, or he was too timid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all boils down to exactly what you said. So I don't I don't think there's any point in. Yeah, yeah. he just he believes in fate, fate so much that he thinks it's just gonna carry him right into the arms of this girl. But yeah, I'd we'll get there. Faith. Faith without works is <laughs> it's dead. You a is a bad movie. <laughs> Fate without works, even well. Oh, or, uh, antagonist and flaw. This was a hard one for me because I like nice, clean bad guys, um, but there weren't any in this movie, and not human ones anyway. For me, the antagonist was youth, being young, being stupid. That was the only thing I saw that seemed to be holding everybody back. As far as universal. Now, I have a feeling that there is a flaw, an antagonist, so to speak, for each storyline that's slightly different. But I like to summarize and summarize, and that's how I did it, is just being young. Chris, uh, or Paul. Um, so, okay, so we talked about buddy love. Um, so in a lot of buddy love movies, you do have, you know, it's it's the... It's almost like the 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 buddies, you know, wh- whether it's boy and girl or or two cops or whatever. Sometimes that can kind of be the the B story or whatever. And there's like some arch or some nemesis that's out there, um, you know. But in a lot of romantic comedies, it, it's it's the two love interests the that situation. are each other's 
yeah it it's it, it yeah it can be like a situation like you know but but it's 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 essentially both of them have a same you know the same goal you know that that they both want to be career people but they also want to be in love and their careers are forcing them to choose between each other so it's they are each other's antagonist uh, and so um you've got mail it's like that yeah sure sure no that that's a great example um and much more much more masculine than the one i was thinking of so <laughs> thank you uh and uh, yeah, so so I so I'll say you know that that they're you know um, you know with with Preston um, you've got you know essentially you know it's you know Amanda you know is is kind of his protag or his antagonist like um, in a sense I mean it, this is where it's not extremely clear cut but you've also got some other um, you know if if we had the typical like bad guy um, superhero movie where you've got you know the the main bad guy and then the henchman and all that stuff. Well, we've got that in this movie. Like there's a couple people who come between him and Amanda throughout the film. You know, there's Mike Dexter, there's uh, the, the second cousin, there's a string of guys, you know, later on in the film, Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so there's a number of people standing between him and, and her, uh, you know, th- there's his own flaw that, you know, this is one of those movies where, you know, he is his own worst enemy, but at the same time, you have to have something outside of himself that, that personifies that. Um, and then, like you said, there are a number of other storylines going on. And within each of those storylines, there is something or someone that is standing between that person and their goal, which I will just say now that we're kind of talking about some of that, um, the goal of each person is clearly stated in this film, which I thought yes, they did a pretty good job. They did on, a very so. good job on, yeah. especially with little uh, hip hop hipster boy or, or uh, gangster boy. You know, there's yeah. the, the nerds are nerds. Know, we know what the nerds want. We know what the the homies want. And um, you're right. It's it's very well. They did a great job delineating and keeping these uh, storylines very clear. But I think it was, like you said, at the expense of having any kind of real gelling. You know, they 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 were just happening at the same time. I mean, yeah. we we get a little bit of that with the ex boyfriend and Jennifer Love Hewitt. You know, facing off against him in front of the whole group, and the girlfriends are there and the whole deal. Um, but you know, and it, it, that's about it. Uh, Christian, what are you thinking? Are are uh, about antagonists? I, I would agree. It's not, there's not a strong one. I wanted to say it was, it was um, Mike, but that's what I uh, put at first, and then it, I was like, I got I had to back up and say, no, he's got his own storyline. You know, he's right. got a bad guy, and he's right. Jennifer Love Hewitt is kind of his, you know, because he he created her. You know, he created right. this girl to stand up for herself. She was afraid before. She even says her own flaw. Um, I I think he was just the the most obvious personification of evil in the movie. So I gave it to him, but I didn't, I didn't think there was a real strong antagonist by any means. I, I, I like what you said a lot where it was the youth and their uh, idiocy. That is kind of what's holding them all back. Yeah. It's, yeah and I'll admit that's a generic uh, deal, but, but you're right, uh, Paul, with the, with the relationship deals, each other seems to be the bad guy, but with the nerd, it's clear he has a bad guy. Um, the hip hop, it's, it's more of a boy and girl thing. Uh, he, or he wants to get, what do you say? What's his exact word? He wants to, uh, honey yeah, get a honey. Yeah. Get, he, he, he can't go to his, his college education without. Well, and, and, 
So our, our listeners that might be under the age of 13 and not <laughs> allowed to watch the movie, yeah. you'll have to forgive me, but you know, th- this is just, I- I'm just being honest here. This is when we first meet him, the very first thing out of his mouth yep. is, I got is what his goal is. And he basically, if I remember correctly and to pronounce it, uh, not in the white boy hip hop vernacular, uh, it's, he basically just says, yo, I gots to have sex tonight. And so right there in the very beginning, we get, which by the way, did I pull that off or was that too white? That was all right. Okay. It wasn't quite Kevin Brown, but it would. would Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, Anyway. So yeah, but, but that's a, when they cut to him, boom, right there, it's, we get, we know his personality. We, we automatically assume a lot of stuff about him. And again, that's another one of those. We don't need any backstory on this character. We don't need to be, uh, condescended to we know just from that one line who he is and what his goal is for the movie so the combination of the the writing of that line and the way that the actor pulled that off is just great and i felt like the first line from pretty much every character did just that in this movie yeah i was a little surprised when he quoted uh, we played it in our intro uh, where he, where he says, I'm going to go to college and you know, there's 92% of them are thinking about sex versus going to school. And, and they're like, you know what that means? And they're like, no, cause he's, he's snapping on a slim Jim. And, um, and he says, that's 92% chance of basically me letting them down. And that's not what I expected. I expected for him to front the whole way through, but he was telling them I've never done this deed, you know, and uh, I've, I've got to do that tonight. That way I can I can take care of the honeys in college. Uh, it's a great kind goal. Of, it's a great goal. Kind of sweet of him if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nice of him to go ahead and get a disease before he gets there. So uh, opening image, okay? Um, this one had a title sequence, and it had a lot of whispering, and it, and it laid out some stuff, but it really had nothing to do with the rest of the movie. So I counted for me the opening image was that scroll up uh right there at the end with the feet and he and, and he says the words you know so and so and and amanda broke up and he's like what and we see that on his you know on his face and we see the graduation caps get thrown in the air and he doesn't throw his and it really says a lot to me um that he has that look of shock it's something big it matters to him immediately. I know he's got some vested interest in this girl and it's so important that it's more important than his school plans. Now, maybe I'm reading into it, but he doesn't throw that cap and the matching beat at the end. He doesn't get on that train. I'll, I'll go a little bit further for you uh, and say that uh, not only, yes, I'll, I'll say that, but also he, when you throw your cap, it's signifying, you know, that we're done, we're moving on. Uh, he's not done yet with something in high school. He's not right. yet moving on from something that has to be finished. So. I just got chills. I got to get some chills tonight. <laughs> I didn't notice any of that. <laughs> oh, man. No, it was there. And and you have to look hard in this movie because there's not a lot of symbolism. It's it, But it but it was with him. It was with him. Um yeah. Some other symbolism we'll get to later is is uh, stripper angel, but which was genius. It was genius. That whole scene from beginning to end was great, but weird. And we'll see how in a minute. Um, Christian, what what about opening image? What what was it for you, man? Uh, opening image was kind of like 
I was, it's hard to say. I, I was kind of torn on it. Opening image, um, ugh, I thought it was sort of that whole scene, like right after they graduate, and and um, it's that scene where he's t- talking to the little redheaded uh, stepchild girl yeah, about his plans. And I just thought, I didn't think it was very clear. I'm sure I'm so wrong, but I had a hard time picking that one out. I think it was when he told her, oh, she's single. I'm going to, you know, and that... Um, sort of set the whole tone of, of like okay this is what this movie's about it's i mean it's got all these different plot lines but it's about um him trying to find this girl and then also i thought when it showed their yearbook pages that that was a good um yeah that was neat i think that was cool uh, gave you an- i just want to free us up uh, especially me and christian um to be wrong on this one i usually am like i fight to be right and and i'm you know I this one threw me for a loop and I'm pretty much on target I think until midpoint and then it all starts falling apart cuz then I'm trying to follow all these storylines and all this kind of stuff but I will say this just a reminder for our listeners and our, us that that opening image is literally most of the time a shot a still shot or some sort of screen capture almost like moment that doesn't last very long um, I, I'd say five to 10 seconds on, on a long one, you know, and sometimes just an instant, maybe it's a shot of the building that they're going to be in, you know, but it usually says something, uh, about the main character's problem. And, um, I think we got that when he said, you know, Amanda and what's the other guy's name, David Preston, Mike. Press, no, no, the good, the, the guy she was dating. Oh, Mike, Mike, Sorry. Mike, I, right. I knew it was Mike or David. Um, uh, Mike and Amanda broke up. I mean, boom, you, you, that says so much all at one time about what his deal is. And then, um, during the setup, we get to hear why we get to hear the, how he met her for the first time. And I love the way they dramatized it with the smoke and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, and, and, and with, with opening image, one thing that I want to just kind of add real quickly is, um, you know, I agree with you that, you know, the opening image, you know, would be that scale up with the guy that's naked under his robe and, and Preston where he's like, you know, I heard about that, you know, so, uh, so we, we hear that, um, oh, I wish that I, I would have written it down because there's like three things that he says, like that he, he mentions something about like, Hey, did you hear about the party? And he's like, yeah, I heard about that. And then he says, did you, hear, did you hear about this? And yeah, I heard about that too. Oh, that I guess you also heard that Matt or that um, Mike and Amanda broke up. And he's like, no, I didn't hear that. So we get all of that right there. So we know that it's going to be a movie that's about a party. There's something else in there that I unfortunately I can't it, Well, remember. it's naked under my robe, party, break up. Okay, there we go. So, okay, so we, so we have a sense of immaturity. We have a, uh, the fact that it's going to be a party. And then we have, you know, the the fact that those two have broken up. Uh, but but kind of going back before that with the credits, one of the things, you know, we've watched uh, some movies, uh, specifically Back to the Future, where before the opening image starts, you know, we've got all of the clocks right. uh, and things that are moving. And then we've got the, um, the, I think it's like a TV that turns on that has like some discussion about uh, some plutonium that's missing. And then we see the plutonium. So we get like a number of pieces of information before we actually, you know, during the credits and all that. And, you know, there's a couple other movies that we've watched that have done that. And so a lot of movies do do that very thing where they take advantage of that time during the credits to establish a mood. And so with this movie, it's like we've got I think it's an Eve six song uh, that is playing. And so it's you know, it's 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 like quasi punk rock, but a little bit more mainstream um, kids are whispering. They're talking during a graduation party or a, a gathering um, to the point that I thought it was a practice, you know, 
<laughs> okay. Well, I didn't graduate high school, so I sure oh, uh, I'll okay. go with that. But um, so, uh, but but then we we also hear a couple different times about Matt, or uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying that um, Mike, Mike and Amanda, and so it's like they're trying to subtly drive that home to where it's like, okay, you need to remember these names, and then they include like some other funny things that are thrown in there, but they keep coming back to Mike and Amanda, so that when we get to Preston. We recognize that name, Mike and Amanda broke up, but then we see that big change in his face to where it shows us, okay, that breakup that they keep mentioning that's ingrained in our heads subtly is very, very important. So I thought that that was really well done. I agree with you that the opening image is that scale or the the crawl up uh, or pan, I should say, uh, up the legs or whatever, but it, it, it it's even more powerful because of the way that the credit sequence is done. Yeah, I'm sure there's some phrase for that because you're right it it is done there are times the title sequence mean nothing uh especially in some of the older movies in the 80s when it was literally just road you know in the background while you're waiting um uh or maybe even uh, men in black where you're following a uh a, a dragonfly down a highway until it gets squished into a windshield but then there are times that it does tell part of the story. Now, it's interesting enough, I always like to do some trivia hunts on these things. And part of the uh, part that was cut from this film was the original opening sequence, the title sequence. Uh, it was more of him talking about his hopes and dreams and what he missed out on. Um, and I guess they figured that wasn't strong enough. And so, yeah, they went to this uh, montage. That's why you don't see a lot of faces, because they shot that after the fact. Uh, with the random actors and actresses that didn't that wouldn't be at the party um so anyway it's just an interesting thing i, I totally agree uh, uh Paul, christian <laughs> did we get to you man uh, yeah yeah okay good let's start, jump into the theme stated um he he says it right at the front uh when he's talking with uh redhead stepchild um, he says it, it's it's like it's fate. Fate is giving me a second chance. Now, typically, themes stated according to the book is uh, oftentimes uh, said to the main character, um, but and and maybe maybe that's not the whole thing because she does say to him her her reaction to that is you're afraid to move forward. You sh- you um you should never look back. And about that time some high guy uh the drum player or no no bass player or something for the for the band that never plays which is a genius thing um, no it's actually the guy who uh talks about thelma and scooby-doo later that's uh, the guy that's who right the high guy yeah they, they, he was he had the the he had the hookah that was a dinosaur and he runs right in the thing so um i don't know what's what's the theme stated there paul I would agree with you there. Uh, it's it's half um, shown and kind of alluded to, and then half actually stated by I, I think her name's Denise. You know, Preston believes in fate, and he keeps talking about fate. Um, and so Preston believes in fate, but he's quote dot 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 afraid to move forward. So to me, that's the theme. Is is and and like I think James, you've already said that uh, later on, much much later on in the film. Um, we act to me, we actually get more of the gist of what the story is about when he's talking with the, uh, angel dancer slash stripper or whatever she is, um, where it, you know, it's that whole idea of fate only takes you so far and then the rest is up to you. That's a little bit more. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and, and not only is it awesome, but it's also a little bit more uh, on point when it comes to the whole idea of theme stated. Um, but, you know, I, I think it is there. It is conveyed. It's a little more subtle uh, there in the beginning. Um, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. But, it, you know, the fate theme is is brought up again and again and again. And, and, and uh, so it's pretty obvious. And it's it's not something that I had to hunt for like I do in some movies, you know. I like when we did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, the the closest thing we could come to a theme state was when she was holding her hand out, you know, which mm-hmm. I think was right on uh, this one. It's just it's mentioned again and again and again. You know, it's fate or fate is against me um, the way when he walks into the room uh, when second cousins going after her and sees that, you know, that's in his mind fate. You know, because later on he's talking to Barry Manilow on the radio and he's like, how'd you let me down? You know, Barry and fate starts smacking him upside the head. So anyway, uh, Christian, theme stated. It's I mean, it's when he's talking to that redheaded girl. There's not much more to say. I think I thought I wrote it down. Exactly. I have the the exact quotes. No, your problem is it's like you're afraid to move forward. And it talks about I mean, and uh, if it's not obvious yet, I'm focusing very heavily on uh, Preston. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's fine. Whatever you want. but uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was it, and then like exactly like you said, the whole idea of fate. Now think, this uh, was the first time I'd seen it. Um, that I think I think. Uh, how many of us was the first time, Christian? Uh, I am raising my hand. Yes, I know it wasn't Paul's. Uh, yeah, how but, many? It, but did you? But guys... I hadn't. I hadn't seen it for probably five plus years, and mm-hmm. so you know it, it, it had was been fresh. definitely a while. Yeah, well, it was definitely fresh. But but you know the answer to this one. I. Christian, did you at all think that he and Redhead Girl were the ones that were supposed to get together there at, at the beginning and you were kind of scratching your head? Uh, yeah, at the beginning and then... Because <laughs> they even talk about it. You know, w- were you always such a bee when we went out? Yeah, for that whole week, you know. See, and, and I th- I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I didn't think this was going to be apropos to our conversation. Um, probably neither is the word apropos. But uh, anyway, so... Uh, that was something that I thought that was needed to be done because they are talking about, you know, Amanda from the very beginning, but a guy and a girl are best friends, which like you kind of, uh, well, actually, unfortunately, I think this is something that we were talking about off air, so I won't go into that, but, um, you know, but, but that's something that a lot of times in movies isn't really seen. Um, and so I think that it was good for them just to throw that in very quickly just so that they could establish, okay, yeah, they've had a past, but they've moved on and it was in like fourth grade or whatever. I think James, you might've just said it. So it's, it's ancient history and they've just been friends ever since. And so that's not going to be an issue. So they kind of put that to bed officially, you know, in the film. So I thought that was a really good thing for them to do. It was because I had that question. I was like, is is this the the leading lady and not to be surface, but typically the leading lady is Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know, and and we, we hadn't even really seen her yet. I don't think until she makes her appearance at the party. So, yeah. Towards the end of the movie, I thought when the angel showed up, I was like, oh, maybe he'll fall in love with the angel. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, that, really at that point, I'm like, handed. what's yeah. going on? Uh, okay, so setup. Um, it's just the expanding on the before concept. We've probably already talked about it quite a bit. We've we've established that a hot couple is broken up. There's a big party. Um, and we get that dramatized version of his first meeting with Amanda Beckett and really get an idea of, of fate and how he was robbed uh, you know, by with this opportunity to connect with her because he he had a strawberry pop tart, she had a strawberry pop tart. He looks to all these signs 
uh, of fate, you know, as fate that means something. Um, and ultimately, as we find out later with our with our dancer, uh, fate fate leads you to the water, but can't make you drink. Yeah. Um, Mike Mike Dexter swoops in. Um, he he breaks up. Uh, we find out he's breaking up with this girl so that he can get college women. I love this scene when he's talking to his friends and he said, you know what college girls are, right? And I'm not quoting it exactly, but the one guy goes, girls that used to be in high school. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he makes the point right at the beginning of this argument that his whole journey is going to be just sunk, you know, right from the beginning. Uh, any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to throw in a couple uh, things here. Like, you know, you've already talked about, you know, during the setup, we just get this strong sense of fate. Uh, I, we've already kind of mentioned the whole idea that Mandy is playing on the radio. Mandy, Amanda, uh-huh. he's he's really reaching for that. Um, you know, so I think because that's going to come into play later. So I just wanted to make sure that we we throw that down. But also they establish the ticking clock right in the very oh, beginning yeah, of this yeah, movie yeah. he's leaving because, tomorrow yeah. yeah exactly thank you because she says something and, and it's a very natural way where it's like oh i didn't realize you were going to change the plans and you were going to go to this party it's our last night thanks yeah. exactly so number one we get the ticking clock that we know that he's leaving tomorrow also this isn't one of the things that we've talked about before is a lot of times in movies the uh, break into two you know whatever um is forced upon the character or it just happens um, but not in this case, because we're told, well, he wasn't originally, apparently he originally was not going to go to this party. Right, right. He's changed his mind. So that's really important is as subtle as it is. It shows us that, no, he's going to take action and actually go to this party. Yep. So those are two really quick things that are actually really, really important here. So, uh, setup also includes, uh, William Lech- Letcher, the nerd who wants revenge on Mike, uh, Whose only other movie, by the way, I kept looking at this nerd guy and I'm like, I know him. And uh, his, I found him on IMDb. I had to cheat. His only other movie that he's ever done uh, was in Hook. He was the little boy that was swayed by Captain Hook to become his son. Yeah. And when I was reading some other articles today, I heard, uh, and I'm assuming that this is correct, that he was actually... Like he's he's a genius. Yeah, he, he was, was on his way to it, college. Yeah. Well, he was actually in MIT uh-huh. at the time, and they they asked for some weird reason, like he heard about this film or somehow he got wind of it, and he filmed uh, an audition like in his dorm room. They accepted it, and so he came and did the film, and then went back to school yeah. at MIT. That's so awesome. Um, there's a nine a lot of '90s references in this. I was telling my wife how lost it would be on people today because he says tonight is our independence night, you know, which is a reference to independence day, which was a huge box office thing released on 4th of July. You know, everybody went to see it. Um, now it's made fun of relentlessly, but, uh, Oh, okay. And speaking you just, you just said something that made me remember this. Um, another thing to kind of keep in mind with movies like this, when you have so many different, uh, storylines going on, um, you'll notice that most most of these kinds of movies take place within a very short amount of time. Like in this case, it's mostly a single day. I yeah, mean, it yeah. it does carry over to the next morning. But again, like I mentioned the movie Crash earlier, I think that one starts like in the evening and then it carries through to the next evening. Um, but most movies that have this kind of a uh, structure, 
um, they're condensed like that. And so I just wanted to make sure to, to, to point that out uh, to, to everybody. That's good. Uh, we also meet Kenny, Special K Fisher. <laughs> Special K, what can Special K do for you? Um, he, he, he wants, he wants to, uh, have fun. And then, um, and then Barry Manilow, uh, on the radio, more fake, just like you mentioned, Christian, any, uh, setup comments? Not a one, man. I, I always say it. I love going last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was our save the cat moment for, uh, I don't know. Let's just stick with, uh, all American boy. What, what was it's just how good of a guy he is. I mean, that's, I know it's not like a moment, but I think you explain you know, um, you see the way he looks at the girl and you just know, like, all right, this guy's the right guy. And, yeah. And, and he may, you know, not every movie has one, but for me, I'll just say whether it was intentional or not, I always kind of watch and say, okay, when did I, when do I start really liking this guy? And for me, it was when we see the letter and she teases him about the letter. I'm like, oh man, he is wearing his heart on his sleeve. He is Going in here defenseless, just laying it all out. That takes guts, or he's nuts, whichever. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you, James. That the big one is that is the letter. But even before that, it's the fact that, um, and and maybe this is just because you know, in context with the whole movie, you know, the fact that every other guy is so crude mm. with Amanda when they find out she's single. But from with him from the very beginning, it's it's something so innocent as like he dropped his books and he saw her and then his connection with her. It's not sexual at all. It's a pop tart and it's so innocent and it's, it's just, it's things like that that make you kind of go, yeah, this guy is like, he's a hopeless romantic and hopeless is like the key word there. Um, you know, so I felt like there were a couple of things that just kind of really set the tone uh, and, and made me just really, you know, root for him. But then the clincher, um, and you know, was definitely that letter. So, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. It's good stuff. Christian save the cat yeah. moment. Did I already oh, ask you? I'm yeah, sorry. I went first. Okay. When, when Paul comes back in, I forget. It just sounded exactly like what Paul said. Just a lot less eloquent. Which is what. <laughs> oh man. Uh, six things that needed fixing. I always like to just throw down some stuff. Um, and that was so easy in this one. And most of them were a little, not quite storylines like the girl who wanted, uh, her yearbook signed. Was that Sarah, Sarah Michelle Gell? No, not, not Buffy. That was oh. uh, the girl from the the witch. Show another another three named person. Yeah, Hart. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart. There you go. She was amazing. I loved her. She was crazy, <laughs> and it's so rare that you see uh, a cheerleader, you know, uh, portrayed as a as a psychopath. You know, it's usually they're the cute ones, you know, or whatever. So, but she wanted that yearbook, and I love that connection, that resolution at the end where she connects with memory boy, you know, who's always looking back on things always. Uh, so they get together. Yeah. Um, the only thing I, cause I agree with you completely, James. I remember, you know, thinking that, you know, going, man, when they do connect at the end, I was like, they're perfect for each other. It would have been cool if we would have seen something throughout cut. the movie. It oh, got, did it? It got cut. There was a scene oh. at the end. Her, her thing got through in the, through in the pool. Um, as the cops are coming and stuff, he, fishes it out for her and says there's nothing more important than memories or something like that. 
And she's like, oh, oh, and then they walk off, they go off together. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's, that's what I, yeah. So I was looking for something like that. So that yeah. makes sense. Uh, they wrote it in at least. It just didn't make it through time wise, I guess. Uh, I love the band that never played a gig. They have a tiny story. So I, I, they're kind of treading the line there, but they, this is our first gig. One, two, three. And then <laughs> even when they get to play, they don't get to play because the cops show up. It's, yeah, it's awesome. And a couple more, a couple more uh, of, of those band members are people who have gone on to be like true. crazy famous. So that's very true. Yeah, at least two. Um, the the drummer with the cowboy hat for sure, and the prince, the white prince wannabe. <laughs> I, lo- I love that reference. That was a good one, especially for the day because that's what homeboy was wearing. You know, yeah. he was colonial all the way. So. Um, <laughs> uh, the nerd revenge. I know it's a full storyline, but these two nerds up on the up on the, the, the pool house, just sitting there the entire night, you know, uh, and they lose their flashlights and their retainer looks like a spaceship. I just love that whole thing. Um, so speaking of that, one, one, one thing that I wanted to mention, uh, or I'm glad that I get the chance to mention is a lot of times in movies, um, the, the comedic relief is a pair. And in this movie, we get a couple of pairs. So like James, you just mentioned, you know, those two guys don't really, they don't have a story arc. Let, I mean, let's just be honest. They, no, there's no they changing or whatever. So, but, but we cut to them during like all of these moments where it's like the hype, you know, like these crazy, like fun moments. And then we cut to these guys and their boredom. Well, for us, it's boredom, but for them, it's exciting and everything. Uh, but then the other pair that we have are, uh, special K's two sidekicks. Yeah. We cut to them a few different times. A couple times. And, yeah. yeah. And, and they're just hilarious. And, and, and that's just, you know, something that, you know, I've noticed a lot in movies is that, uh, you know, the, so you see that the comedic relief that really just has no storyline. They're just simply there to be that cutaway, to give you a moment to breathe. They do come in pairs. And so, in, like I said, in this movie, we get a couple of those. At least with the homies, we got a solution. You know, I, I, I wish the, the nerds had gotten something, you know, yeah, they knocked out the, I guess that is it. They knocked out the jock and, and photographed him in compromising positions. I suppose that's his, their thing. But, um, Oh, 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 one of my favorite characters, party girl host, um, known online as the girl whose house this is, uh, freaking out about her house mess, the entire movie. That was another great, just ongoing thing. And then my favorite, uh, is is the little redheaded dude um, in his uh, you know Columbine jacket uh, stealing stuff? <laughs> yes, <laughs> through the whole movie. So. The cop car at the end yeah, is just. I laughed amazing. out loud. I'd never laugh at crap movies like this. But so James, just to ask you to be really personal here for a second, potentially the 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 girl whose house that it is. Yes, would that in any way? be your wife if she happened to maybe take a risk and throw a party when she was in high school it would be her for about the first five seconds and then she'd start out out i'm calling the cops she would do it okay i was just curious she's she's uh yeah she would hate the mess um but but immediately once it got out of control she would take control so so i like her um so uh stasis equals death moment for him uh he has to go to the party Otherwise, he'll never get the girl. Any any arguments on that? Nope. Okay. Not a one. Kind of ties into our ticking clock, too. All right, Catalyst. Um, it's the moment where life changes. This It happens pretty quick. It happens before the setup, in my opinion. Um, 
and and it's it, it starts though with Mike breaking up with Amanda. Um, it is the thing for me that starts the debate process for him and breaks into two. Um, so I, I wanted to say the conversation, I wanted to say his decision, but the decision is a response to the catalyst. It, the catalyst is the moment life changes, and the minute that camera flashes on him, that's the catalyst. It It's out of order, but it's there. Any comments, uh, Paul? Yeah, so can, can I can I talk about catalyst and debate together? Um, debate is the, uh, argument within the person, the main character, usually, uh, for a brief number of moments, um, that he doubts the journey he's got to take and he's got to, can he face the challenge? Do I have what it takes? Should I go all the way? Um, and so, yeah, catalyst and debate, uh, work off each other now that I've connected them. Yes, you may. Perfect. Awesome. I appreciate you doing that for me. Uh, so yes, I agree with you completely. And I was so worried that we were going to fight about the catalyst just because it is so unorthodox, uh, in the ordering. Um, you know, but there are, you know, there are movies, there are books, you know, there are stories in general where the catalyst is kind of, you know, it happens before all of this stuff. I mean, it's the very first thing that, that you see. And James, you just, I, I agree with you completely finding out that Amanda is single is the catalyst uh, of this whole story. Like that's what sets everything into motion. And so then the immediate debate is he begins arguing with Denise about actually going to this party, which we've kind of already discussed, which is why I wanted to just lump those two together because it's very quick. Yeah. And in the debate is when we get theme stated um, because the setup is, is, is the, I would say it's not, it's not setups, not there. It's gotta be there. But I, I would say that catalyst and debate um, are, are nestled safely inside the setup. Yeah, and, and, and that's another thing that you're going to see with movies like this is that everything happens uh, so much more quickly mm-hmm. and it's also a lot more compact. Um, and then it also, how do I say this? It, it, it Well, I, I can't think of how to explain that, but basically like because you have so many stories going on together, the timelines of things can seem a little bit weird because sometimes you'll get like, you know, let's just say, for example, there are three stories. You're going to get a a scene with story one, a scene with story two, a scene with story three, and then you're going to circle back around and scene with story one, a scene with story two, a scene with stories three. And then it might start to break it up at that point and go back to story two, Mm -hmm. you know, so you get like a little bit of jumbleness there. And so I've, I've found that with a lot of stories like this, you do get a lot of information, you know, packed in, especially at the beginning, because they've got to set the tone. They've got to rope you in for each individual storyline that eventually is going to connect uh, later on down the line. Okay, so for debate, though, I've got, you know, the argument over whether or not to go argument in the car and then the song plays. And and that's kind of their whole oh. uh, even though he's pretty much determined to go, there's still a debate. Debates aren't decisions. They are arguments and or, or discussions. And that's definitely what happens. Uh, yeah. Break into two. I have uh, it's the choice, the main character's choice. The journey begins. That kind of happened right there at the beginning, too. You know, I'm already decided I'm going to the party. Oh, well, thanks for telling me it's your last night in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Any comments, anybody? I would just say it's arriving at the party is breaking to two. We're officially in a new location. It's a new sequence. Start meeting new people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything is brand new, you know, uh, once they arrive at the party. And in addition to that, there's also that moment where they get to the door 
and it's a part of her character, but it also lends itself to the idea of the debate where <laughs> the hostess is like, oh, Preston, and you brought a friend, and she turns to leave. So it's like that. there's still a little bit more of that ongoing, is she or is she not kind of thing going on. Uh, but that, to me, is is the, the break into two, is them walking through the door there at the party. Yeah. Christian? Yep, I got walking through the door, and I even put a little note and said, girl turns away, question mark. Uh, nice. Well, they nice. establish over and over with her that she is little known. You know, aren't you the one that, you know, uh, was so-and-so? Yeah, I told you she was in our class, you know. Uh, <laughs> nobody knows her, and uh, it's it becomes obvious later on because Kenny, I guess, uh, probably led the charge in, in, you know, turning on her and, and beginning to pick on her as she became smarter and he became, I don't think he's stupid. Actually, he's going to school. You know, he's probably the only one in his group, but, um, but she definitely withdraws and is seen as thinking she's better than everybody else. And she really, she really does. Yeah. And and that's another thing Christian mentioned earlier about the, um, the yearbook photo and then like their activities and their quotes and all that kind of stuff. And when the, the more that I watched the movie, I began to really pay attention to that. And you see, like you said, James, um, you know, we see, you know, that different people are going to different schools. We see their activities and all that kind of stuff. And with Denise, you know, it, it was, you know, her activities, it said none. So, yeah, she wasn't involved in anything. Uh, and then another thing that I want to bring up with that is with Amanda, her uh, college or future or whatever that whole thing is, you know, for Preston, it was, you know, he's going to go to Dartmouth for Kenny. It was, I think UCLA for her, it was undecided. Right. And so that played a role. So for all of them, and it was, a, it was different for each one of them, but that, that snapshot of their yearbook photo and the description there, we're told something very important inside of, uh, of that, that single shot. Right. Good deal. Um, Jumping into B story, got to find out what the B story is. Um, I would have uh, early on would have said, "Oh, well, his friend, his friend's going to be the B story." But she goes and gets herself locked in a bathroom. So she's not she she. What is the emotional story? I would have to say it's Jennifer Love Hewitt, and we see that as she's telling her story to her second cousin. Um, uh, comments. Um, okay. So with this movie, I felt like Preston, he doesn't really have a B story. Um, there's no, okay. Well, let me rephrase that. So he doesn't have a typical B story. Um, there's no one that he's with through the majority of the film later on. He meets the angel who basically, you know, typically does, does the job of a B story. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's what I feel like happens with this film is okay. that it's very late in each individual story, which I know that we're not going to get bogged down, which I just want to say real quickly to our listeners. Each of the individual storylines, with the exception of William, I feel like uh, the nerd has all of the story beats that you would need, yes. you know, to, 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 to argue, you not know, for, necessarily for, in sync, but yes, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, but, uh, with Preston, like, or I'm sorry, with, with the majority of people, their B story character that, that gives them the information that they need to lead them into, you know, the, the, the synthesis comes very late in all of these stories. Um, you know, so if Preston is our protagonist, then I'm going to say he doesn't really have a typical, B story. Um, you know, okay. so if, if you're wanting to bring in Jennifer Love Hewitt, 
again, I feel like she goes through, you know, her catalyst is Mike breaks up with her. Um, it's not really said by her, um, but the girl, her friends are, you know, uh, when she shows up, one of the girls says, oh, I can't believe she showed up. So I could easily infer that her debate was, will I or won't I go to the party? And then her deciding to go to the party is the break into two. Mm-hmm. And then the B story, like you said, James, for her would be, um, you know, perhaps, you know, meeting, you know, uh, or hanging out with her second cousin. You know, I, I don't really know, but I, I felt like this story was very unique where our two main characters don't really have a typical um B story the way that um that Blake Snyder would describe right. it. And out, and outside of our main characters, I would even say that the midpoint comes very late for all of our other stories. Sure. Um, oh, very much so. Very I, very I think for the main characters it's right on target and I and the reason why is I'm saying when he walks in and he's finally going to do what he's supposed to do and he sees the second cousin on her um she's getting her midpoint um, eh, maybe I think maybe her midpoint is actually when she gets the letter, but, um, but that's definitely his midpoint because he was going to do it. He gets shot down stakes, gets raised. He leaves, it goes off. I think the reason why it's so late for everybody is this was a movie about the fun and games, you know, part of it. Well, and first of all, I'm just so glad that for once I'm not the one that's jumping ahead in the show. So, uh, but then two, you know, again, with a movie like this where we have so many different stories that each individual story has its own arc, you're good. The the timeline is really going to be jumbled. Um, So I'm just going to leave it at that for for the time being. Okay. Well, fun and games has uh, our, you know, everybody enters. There's an entering period to the party, which I think is neat. Um, uh, we get, we get the, uh, the, the, the dude, the main guy enters, the homeboys enter, the nerds enter, uh, or at least they, they sneak around the back. Uh, the jocks enter, uh, Amanda enters and, uh, then yearbook girls, you know, there, uh, I love that she gets pushed, <laughs> pushed down. I know that's terrible, but she was uncredited in this movie as far as I know, which is sad. Um, there's a there's a number of people who are uncredited in this movie actually that that uh, I noticed. Yeah. Well, and and we get to meet the band um uh and then uh maybe we can find out what that reason is. I'm ready finally. I I, I don't know what I wrote that for. But um the homie bumping into the door. What do I have that for? Finding games. It must be silly stuff that I don't remember now. But uh, I like the inner monologue stuff. We had him talking to us, you know, like that first person saved by the bell stuff. And then we had, we could hear select persons, Kenny being one of them, we could hear their thoughts. And I knew you were getting off on that because that's kind of like a novel thing. It's a storytelling thing. Well, okay. It's very rare I, in movies. And I, and I was going to say that's what's funny is that you're absolutely right that is the hallmark of 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 uh of novels, but I I, I was kind of caught off guard because again I haven't watched this movie in so long that they did it in a film and I remembered, okay, yeah, they did do that and they do it a couple times throughout yeah. this movie and I was like that's really interesting because I think it's fine. Like I I don't have any objection to it, but you hear a lot, you know, people talking about how having a narrator for a movie is a very risky move. Um, having any kind of inner monologue for a movie is a risky move. Um, you know, but I, but I felt like they definitely pulled it off on this. Yeah. Well, um, Amanda's cousin's ugly. I want to say that 
That's true. He kind of looks like a young Tony Danza. Exactly. And I think that was on purpose. <laughs> I think it was on purpose. So, James, you mentioned, you know, with the fun and games, like everybody enters one thing that I thought was cool. And it's just I don't know that they necessarily maybe they thought of this, maybe not. But, you know, we're we're entering a house party. And so the majority of the characters, they do come through that first door or they're right there in that doorway. So I thought that was just kind of a cool way of like funneling all of our characters, you know, through yeah, yeah, through the same spot. And then one other quick thing. Uh, you you said uh, something in your notes that you weren't sure about. Home, homeboy walks into the door or something. My favorite, maybe maybe this isn't what you're talking about, but my absolute favorite part of this movie where I laughed every time and I remembered this one part, even though I hadn't seen the movie in so long, I remembered this one part. 20 minutes and 25 seconds into the movie, Preston finally goes into the room to talk to Jennifer Love Hewitt where she's with all the girls but she is walking out. And he, he turns to walk away yes. and he walks straight into the doorway. <laughs> and it's hilarious because you hear the thud, but it doesn't sound like a sound effect. Uh, like it sounds kind of weird and distant and hollow. Like he really walked into the door yeah. and she just continues past him. And so maybe it's just because, you know, I felt like a nerd in high school. And so I, it just resonated with me. You know, I don't know, but that part uh, is my, that's, that's my favorite part of the movie right there. That's a great one. Uh, Christian, any thoughts on uh, fun and games? Um, I think that, like exactly like you said, this movie is so good at fun and games. I think the funnest game was the uh, the two nerds uh, <laughs> talking on the roof. That was my favorite part. I just thought they were really silly. And I liked how they kind of got uh, what they wanted to the end, too. Um, but, yeah, that's just the whole movie, like you said, fun and games. They had to be kiss dolls, though. Cause they, <laughs> yeah. Grandma, tar- grandma talking and... Uh, and uh, Boba Fett Boba couldn't, couldn't do it. Yeah, and and I love the fact that where he pushes his friend after he cuts his arm off, and that whole discussion about well, <laughs> yeah. he should have because he cut his arm off. <laughs> and his friend's just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You oh, and that yeah. summarizes geeks in a in a because that's what they do it's all the shoulda woulda coulda stuff yeah well okay and speaking of fun and games like this is one thing i wanted to point out because i i mentioned earlier how the one character who didn't have like the typical story arc but we still feel like a sense of gratification by the end Mm -hmm. um is william you know Yeah. yeah the nerd thank you he he states his goal in the very beginning but then when he arrives at you know and then we you know so we we hear everything in the setup um, you know, we see the nerds sneak off and everyone takes their post, you know, during that part of the film. Um, but then he enters the party and for like 45 plus minutes, if not longer, he he's just drinking and like there's no there's nothing else. And so like for him, fun and games is pretty much the entire thing. So he doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't really go through you know, all of the story beats, but we're okay with that because we have so many other stories that, that fulfill that for us. And because it's just so great to see his character let loose and sing a guns and roses song and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I think that it's definitely okay that that's the way that his story goes. Well, uh, here's it. my thoughts on him. Cause I, you know, he's, he's comedy relief a tiny, tiny bit, but not really. It's his buddies. But what he does, all right, imagine if he didn't exist. This movie would be lacking in the one thing that makes movies, especially comedies, really good, and that's irony. Um, We don't have a lot of irony in in this movie outside of him. He is not supposed to be popular. Girls are not supposed to like him. He is not supposed to know any songs. 
that are rock and roll flavored. And, and, uh, and so we get to constantly get sprinkles of irony through the whole thing because he even connects with the jock, which is ironic, you know, and then he becomes, uh, he, he shares in his punishment, uh, you know, being part of the photos, which is ironic. And then the uh, guy stepping up to the plate and lying for him to the police so that he could get out from under that problem with his parents, you know, it's ironic. So I don't know. I'm sure there's, you could argue that there's irony in other places, but it's not as without him, it would just be a lot of stories kind of doing what you would expect them to do. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. So I'll have to definitely, um, I'm, I just typed that in so that whenever I go back and eventually watch the movie again, well, I, I, think, can, uh, I think the band has irony too. But but sure. as far as a far reaching storyline that is that is close to the main you know uh, yeah it's it's there well and and while we're talking about fun and games James I think you mentioned that the fun and games is the majority of this movie it's a big bulk of it and so that being said one of the things that I thought was smart in 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 the writing was we do have so much of the fun and games but in the midst of the fun and games we're reminded once again that there's a ticking time or there's a ticking clock, ticking time bomb, whatever you want to call it, where, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the guy who is obsessed with telling stories about the past, all we have is our memories. Um, he reminds us again that Preston is leaving tomorrow. And then he drives home that point that he's talking about, uh, the past. And it's the fact that talking about the past and dwelling on the past is what embarrasses Preston and prevents Preston from talking to Amanda. So I thought that was a really smart move on the part of the writers to bring that back to the forefront of our minds that, okay, this is on a, this is, we're on a time crunch and we're also being reminded of what Preston's problem is. Mm, Good stuff. Christian, any, any more thoughts on fun and games? Uh, No. All right. All right. Midpoint, um, as we said, was pretty late in the movie, except for possibly the, the main guy um, for, for me, the, the midpoint was definitely the kiss on the couch uh, for both Amanda and dude, uh, though we could argue that the letter was possibly hers. But um, but she basically thinks she has a person who understands. So she thinks she has what she wants, which is the earmark of a midpoint, um, a false victory, you know, getting what you thought you wanted. Uh, and then he sees uh, fate slapping him in the face which is, you know, he thought fate was going to lead him and do and this, that, and the other. So um, is it Amanda finds the letter? Um, I don't know. Uh, but before uh, Paul gets going, I want to say that uh, for midpoint for the nerd was definitely singing and crowd surfing mm-hmm. um, for the homies. You know, he, he, he gets with the, re- with the friend girl and gets what he wants there. Which could have been deeper, in my opinion. It was very shallow, even the ending for them. Um, there was actually an alternate uh, closing in for her that she dumps him and then goes to college and becomes uh, a, a, a video producer and does a video for Wu-Tang Clan. That's the way it ends for her. <laughs> that's yeah. random. Yeah. So that's probably why they <laughs> took it out. But uh, so homie gets to the friend girl. Um the jock um, meeting with the college guy is, is another cameo. Yeah. Yeah. And another sage, you know, we get two of them in this one, uh, stripper, angel girl and, uh, him. Very Connolly. People with wisdom. 
you know, beyond their years. So, well, and, and it's people that have learned from their mistakes. Yes, so. that's true. And, and are in the midst of them. She's, exactly. she's a stripper and he has warts all over his feet. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any thoughts on midpoint, uh, Paul? Yeah. So James, I agree with you. You know, I think that Preston seeing that Amanda is kissing another guy. That's the midpoint because a lot of, you know, um, forgive me, but I don't know if, if Blake Snyder explains it this way or not. Um, you know, but the midpoint is often, you know, a, a, there's a couple things with the midpoint. It can be sort of a change in the game, um, where it's kind of tied to, okay, well, what's the theme of this movie? And, you know, this is the point where the protagonist is forced to make a decision. Is he going to do things the way that he's always done, or is he going to move forward into the future? And so in this case, it's, you know, he's at this party and it's all about fate. And then for so long, it's always been another guy has stood in the way of him being with Amanda. When he first meets Amanda, it's Mike Dexter that raises his hand and usurps, you know, the, the, tourism power whatever you call that um of amanda and in this case it's another guy that steps in and kisses her what is he going to do how is he going to react is he going to move forward and is he going to take control or is he going to run away like he did in the past well in this case he runs away and so in this movie we have a a low point so i want to point that out because you know uh for blake snyder um, well, the, the can I can I interrupt you and say the way I'll, I'll just read what Blake Snyder does say in a, in a nutshell, dependent on the story, he says uh, the, the moment when everything is great or everything is awful and the main character either gets everything they think they want and it's great or they don't get what they want at all. And that's the awful part. Uh, but not everything we think we want is actually what we need in the end. Yeah, and, and then another thing, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he also talks about how the midpoint and the all is lost are um, antithesis, where if it's a high point at the midpoint, right. then it's going to be a low point at all is lost or vice versa. So in this case, it's a low point at the midpoint, so it's going to be a, a quasi high point at the all is lost. But anyway, um, you know, so I do agree that, you know, for all the reasons I just said that, that Preston uh, seeing Amanda kissing another guy is the midpoint. I will say that I do think that her finding the letter is her midpoint. But then another thing that I want to just kind of throw in there that I think is, you know, I've never heard of a double bump at a midpoint, but um, in the case of this movie, if you, if you look at the timeline, something that happens almost like halfway in the movie, which again, I've already kind of said this over and over again, and I, and I mean it, um, you know, your, your timelines get kind of skewed, in movies like this, but something that happens that almost the halfway mark is, um, Preston is, is doing his whole inner monologue sitting on top of the car. Um, and then he finds out that, you know, the man alone himself is in the studio answering questions. And so Preston needs to know that Mandy isn't about a dog in order (laughs) for his hope in fate fate to be revived because he has staked so much on fate so this is another part, you know, so I, I think that the main midpoint is definitely him seeing Amanda kiss the guy, but all, or I'm sorry, the guy kissing Amanda. Um, but I think that there's something there with that whole scene um, in, in, that where he, he needs to be, he needs to have his faith in fate restored because other, if, if he, if that doesn't mean anything, then the whole, the whole sequence with the stripper doesn't mean anything. Does that, I mean, does that make sense? I would say that his, that his, uh, yeah, yeah. 
I, I just think he needs to also take and, and, and put a little bit of de-emphasis on fate because fate has, has brought him there and fate has done him wrong. Uh, matter of fact, I would say that his midpoint uh, goes right into bad guys close in um, for him because on, in the, uh, you know, Barry Manilow turns on him, you know, um, and, and, and so he, he needs to, yeah, restore faith in, in, in there. And he has the conversation, but she is very clear. Uh, the angel lady that tells him, you know, you've got to act fatal get you there, but you got to act. I mean, that was her whole, her whole point. Um, and, and so for him, I don't, this is where I get really muddy because after that midpoint, it's dark night of the soul for him. It is all is lost. That's his all is lost moment almost already. Um, unless you want to go further down the road and it's that scroll across his bed where his bags are packed and he's laying in the bed before the, uh, finale there, I guess with the, with the girl in the train station. Well, well, okay. So so help me out. Straighten me out. Okay, so a couple things. So bad guys close in typically comes after midpoint, which you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you know, basically right after midpoint is when bad cl- bad yes. guys start closing in. Yes, yeah, the first so, page know, of bad guys close in. Yeah. Exactly. So, so like you've already said, you know, the guy kissing Amanda, boom, there's a bad guy closing in. Um, the stripper hanging up on him yeah, while yeah. he's talking to Barry Manilow, that's another bad guys close in. Um, later on, you know, cause bad guys close in can happen at a very, uh, a variety of points. Um, later on, there's a bunch of guys that are hitting on Amanda after she has her big, you know, uh, right. talking to with Mike, uh, and everything. Um, so, but with the all is lost. So with the midpoint of this movie, it's a low point, which means the all is lost needs to be, well, According to Blake Snyder, yeah. you know, I want to emphasize that. Or no, emphasize he says the opposite moment of the midpoint. It's exactly. So, so I'm going to say a couple of things. So with All is Lost, I think the All is Lost, if, if you're going with Blake Snyder's interpretation, it's going to be Preston gets advice from the stripper, which restores his hope in fate. So that's the up point. So that's the, the counter. So at the midpoint, he thinks everything is 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 crap and and fate has has screwed him over but then with with the stripper he's talking to her and she teaches him okay the all you know your moment is or i'm sorry uh, in that moment he realizes you know what i fate is only going to take me so far i have to do something more than just this so that's kind of the that's the only up moment that we have until the end of the film so again if i'm blake snyder I'm going to throw that in as my all is lost. I'm not really sure, you know, I mean, he even says, you know, if you're, if you want to do it right, you throw in a whiff of death. Right. Um, I don't necessarily see a whiff of death anywhere in here. I mean, if you I do he, later on, he says it's someone or something has to Yeah, exactly. Die. And I think his hope when, when she tells him to get a life and, and, you know, turns away, you want to talk about double bump? I, you know, it's almost well, like he and, and I would talk lost about, gets a double bump too. Well, and I would put that as well. I mean, we'll get to that in a second. I mean, it, I, well, I would. We've say, only got like five minutes left, so okay. we got to get to it. Okay. Well, then, Dark Knight of the Soul. I would say is Preston tells Amanda how he feels, and she rejects him. So now it's everything that he has worked for is completely gone. There's no way he's going to reach his goal. Everything has been just thrown out the window. That's his dark night of the soul. Everything has gone to black. But conversely, that's her all is lost moment. But right. anyway. So so what was his all is lost? 
So I, I think his all is lost moment is he gets advice from the stripper and his hope is restored in fate. He realizes that, okay, fate is only going to take me so far. The rest is up to me. Um, that's his, you know, cause we, we've talked about, I think it's in save the cat strikes back. The all is lost is kind of a decision must be made right, kind right. of moment. And so he, he realizes, Oh, you're absolutely right. Miss dancer angel. Now I have to actually act on what you're saying. And so he gets in his car and he drives back to the party. So one other really quick thing I'm going to throw in, um, we've, every movie that we've done so far has pretty much fallen into a three act structure. Uh There are a lot of people who don't necessarily think that the three act structure is exactly what you have to do. Right. Um, and so I think that a very good case could be made for this movie where there are actually four acts. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, you know, fully understand the four act structure. So I'll be honest about that, but I could easily see from what little I do understand how this movie has four different acts. Well, what uh, threw me is that I forgot that all is lost could be, it is the opposite moment. And so, um, but I, I did do this. I did write down that he, what did die was his idea of fate um, being exactly. all that he needed. So something in him did die, but it was something good. It was something that was a positive thing instead of a negative thing. And that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was one of the things I was alluding to was that but, it doesn't but, necessarily have to be a person that dies. It's right. an idea or a well, thing or it's a symbol. And so I agree with you completely. Right. And I would say all is lost in Dark Knight of Soul. Uh, since since it's not dark, it's it's the bright. Um, that whole scene with the angel and and uh, and and all that was that whole scene because now all is lost and dark night become positive things. And and again, that's what threw me. Now it makes perfect sense. All is lost is the first page of ten pages of Dark Knight of Soul. So um, that makes sense because then right after that, break into three. He's ready to go and give it a chance again, like you said. And he rolls, he rolls over there. Uh, he tries to find her. He shouts down, you know, I love you. She misunderstands him. Um, so that's your finale because he gathers the team. He goes in to say what he wants to say. He executes his plan. Um, high tower surprise. Oh boy. She thinks you're just another jerk. Uh, and then that night he digs deep down, um, or, or maybe she does and figures it out and executes a new plan. Uh, they meet, they connect, and he is so going to school for like a long time. He's going to get on that train. <laughs> and and uh, I think it's funny because he didn't want to throw the thing before, but now he's trying to move forward. He's decided to move past her, that this is just fate. He's totally lost his hope in any of that kind of stuff. I've got to do what I'm supposed to do. and and um, but he, But he did change. And they had their kiss. So any thoughts on uh, breaking the three finale and, and uh, final images is, is uh, long and arduous because there's a lot of final images. So any thoughts? Final images when they're all in the cafe, right? Or the little. Dog. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of scrolling past all of them. Each of them kind of get their own little final image. The nerds was terrible. That's my only thought. Yeah, it was, <laughs> but he got his, his, his actual, Final image was that snapshot where you get to see what he was becoming, and uh, he, he does okay. You can do that with any movie. But though. how much better would it have been as if he had pulled out some sort of flyer for his for his uh, 
you know, MIT as he's going and just smiling and shaking his head like that jerk doesn't know what I got coming. You know, that kind of thing. Just give, give the viewer a hint right right before that shot. Yeah. That's a lot of readings. You can just stop a movie whenever you want and say, and then he grew wings and became a superhero. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, or he was a, he was a dude in your comic and now he's an alien. You know, it's just stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, by the way. Uh, yeah. Are, so the, the only thing that I want to say is, you know, James, I, I really like the way that you broke that down. Um, as far as the, 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 uh, fine, uh, what did you finale, call it? The final yeah. finale sequence and everything, because I'll be honest with you. I would really love to hear Blake Snyder, break this movie down because I think that he would do it the way that you did. But, um, I do think that, you know, the people who believe that there can be four and five acts and all that kind of stuff would have a really strong case with this movie. Um, you know, to where the dark Knight of the soul is Preston telling, uh, Amanda how he feels, but she rejects him and that the break into three is actually not something that Preston does. I mean, Preston, you know, basically his story in in his mind is completely over. He doesn't take any action as far as getting what he wants um, or as far as the the finale goes. Um, It's all about the two stories coming together where a man, which, you know, kind of lends itself back to your, you know, idea of the B story where it's uh, Amanda figuring out what she needs and what she wants. And she's the one who actually takes action figures out who Preston is. Cause I mean, we didn't really talk about any of this, yeah. um, you know, but her discovering that she has rejected the one guy who actually sees her for who she really is, is her dark night of the soul because that's, you know, her, her midpoint was finding the letter. That's a high point. Her low point is rejecting Preston. Uh, you know, her break into three would be going to the station finale, telling Preston how she feels. And that's where the two things kind of come together um, where, but again, because we have so many different storylines going on, you get a little bit jumbled. And so yeah. I think someone could easily make the argument that there are four acts for, uh, or I'm sorry, you know, four acts for Preston or whatever, but you know, for his finale, it's, you know, just like you said, Amanda tells him how she feels. He says it's too late because he needs to get on, you know, the train to go to the workshop with Kurt Vonnegut, uh, and we're brought back to that whole idea that fate has brought Amanda back to him. Finally, we get that fate idea again where she has shown up unbeknownst to him and he didn't do anything. It's all, 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 all fate. But will he take the final step and do his part? Will he let go of everything and actually drop his bags and run back to her kind of thing? And so it's, it, it's a great ending. Um, but I just, I think that, that and, and I agree with you, but I also think that other people could make arguments for it being structured a little bit differently. Right. But again, that's the craziness and the beauty of telling a story in this way where you have those things that are kind of crisscrossing right. and helping each other out. And, so. and we're reverse engineering and, and we're fitting it to a, to a pattern. Um, and we're, we're asking those questions. Does it fit or does it sure. not? Sure. Uh, and so that's great. This one, I, I think uh, definitely takes some liberties and does its own thing. And uh, you know, it, it did okay in the box office. Not great. It made its money back a couple times over. Uh, IMDB says the critics gave it a, a 24 or 29 or something, but the, but the list, the people that vote, you know, gives it, gave it an 81. So it it's, it wasn't a classic of the nineties, you know, like, like it wanted to be, uh, or a summation of the late eighties, like it, like it wanted to be, 
Um, or wait, was it eighty nine or ninety eight? Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay, so summation of the nineties in a millennial. I was four years old. So anyway, um, but I would agree with you a hundred percent that you could possibly be right about that there is a whole lot more intricate writing going on, except that these are the writers of Flintstones, Viva, <laughs> Rock, Vegas. So, Which means I'm not going to It's not a slam on you. It is just a question mark that is, in, that is hewn out of bedrock. That's there you, all I'm saying. Not very well done. Very well done. So. <sighs> well, guys, that, uh, that does us for tonight. And thank you so much for hanging through i don't mind saying this was a hard movie for me and i've learned something today and that was i forgot about that opposing beat that it could flip on you and that dark night of the soul could be bright night of the soul uh all is lost could be all is lost but you lost something bad which is good you know um so that's a good thing that's going to help me in my writing and uh those of you that listen for this reason uh, i hope it helps you as well um remember you can suggest your favorite films on reddit um, that's HTTP colon slash slash. This is in honor of the nineties. www.reddit.com slash R forward slash. I'm sorry. Uh, movie beat down. And, uh, before we go, we'd be amiss if we did not choose, um, next week's movie. Um, what movie gets the uh, beat down next time? Well, I chose again, Lego movie. John, even though he's not here, submitted Truman show, which I wouldn't mind doing. Uh, Pauly. Uh, Empire Records, which we'll do when I'm, you know, you can pry my podcast from my cold dead fingers. Um, it's just going to take a while after this one. <laughs> I have seen it though. Uh, and Christian, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and our Reddit friends uh, said The Village by M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. So uh, right now I am going to hit the actual magical choose film sound. And random.org chose. Oh, Lego movie. Yay. Convenient seats. It's finally my <laughs> turn. So uh, that, that'll be a lot of fun, and I'm sure people will tune in. Um, guys, any any closing statements real quick? Right at 129. I know he gave you a hard time for this movie, Paul, but I really liked it, and I'm very glad you made me watch it. I, well, I'm, I'm- I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Christian, and uh, I'm glad that uh, that James uh, also enjoyed talking about it with us. I did enjoy it, and now I did enjoy talking about it. I hated the movie, but you heard me say how many times the characters or this or that uh, really, really excited me and made me uh, very happy. Is a sto- from a storytelling perspective, there was some good stuff in there. Um, I didn't like the part where Fred uh, slammed down the door and the dog and the dog. Uh, dinosaur licked his face but uh the rest of it was pretty good um vote up your next movie it's at subreddit reddit.com slash r slash movie beat down if you enjoyed the show consider supporting movie beat down for a dollar per episode uh moviebeatdown.com slash donate yo i gotta get a dollar for the for the night yo um and then go to our website and comment on this episode Find out more about Save the Cat at moviebeatdown.com. Email your comments and suggestions to moviebeatdown at gmail.com. And you can guess our Twitter. It's moviebeatdown. And that's all for John, Paulie, me, and Christian, even though John's not here. Thanks so much. And we'll see all of you next time right here on Movie Beat Down. I miss the sound of John's voice. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Visit nlcast.com for other great NLCast Network shows. 